Well, it's good to see you again, and I thank you so much for joining us. And if you're not a member of our church, this is Graceway Baptist Church's uh, midweek service. I'm Greg Keenan, the pastor, and we welcome you and we welcome all of you. And thank you for uh, your support, and we pray that the Lord blesses you. I want to remind you, since it's a prayer meeting night, to pray for one another and be fervent, fervent and diligent in your prayers for us, for our church, for one another. Uh, the trials of life continue on. It's not just all about COVID-19. There are a lot of other things that are happening and people that struggle and the attack of the enemy and all kinds of stuff. I would also encourage you to be in diligent prayer for our nation. Uh, I don't think uh, it's news to anybody that we're in trouble, that things are not going well and we're not in harmony. And uh, we want to pray that God would actually uh, bless our nation, even though we don't deserve it. And uh, I pray regularly that God would be merciful to us, that God would be gracious to us. And remember, grace is never deserved. Grace is always given to the undeserving. And boy, uh, is our country ever undeserving, and we need a move of God. And then would you pray that whatever it is that God wants to do for his glory in our nation, that it might begin in us. Uh, we don't know who he wants to use or how he wants to use anyone, but he uh, has used the most unlikely throughout history. And uh, so sometimes when we look at ourselves, we go, oh, surely God would use somebody big, important, famous, and all of that. Well, that doesn't always happen. And uh, there could be something great that could begin in you and in us and in our church. We uh, look around and see a little bit of good news. For the last two days, the uh, coronavirus thing seems to be going down a little bit nationwide. For two days now, it's been under 50,000. That's good news, I suppose, until uh, I'm waiting for the next huge outbreak to be traced to John MacArthur's church, probably. Uh, you know how the liberal media and politicians will use all of that kind of stuff. But remember to pray for our churches, uh, not only ours, but nationwide, because this, um, uh, this virus and everything that's happening, I think, is going to be used for the government to try to gain more power, for churches to be uh, looked down upon, uh, maybe as, uh, you know, every time they talk about the super spreaders, the top five uh, places of worship are always, you know, right near the top on all of that. And uh, those kind of things make me a little bit nervous that uh, the government, once they kind of get a taste of blood, I guess we might say, that they might be a little bit hesitant to give that up. This is one reason to be thankful, I guess, to be in Oklahoma and not California or New York or some of those places. But keep in mind, folks, whatever starts on the coast, either the east or the west, it always heads this direction. And there are always people that are willing to gain a little bit more power. And um, I think even some of the things with the riots and all of that, they're going to come after the churches. In fact, I read an article just the other day, I think it was on Sunday I read it, that in Portland that they were even burning Bibles now. Isn't that amazing? And so uh, we're the ones that are supposed to be repressing and holding everybody back, 
but they're the ones that are suppressing worship and religion and free speech and even doing some book burning and even Bible burning now. It's just an odd, odd time and a weird time, and we've got to be settled in on the truth. Which brings us to our passage of Scripture. We've been looking now for uh, the last... Uh, what is this, the fourth now a week that we've looked at Psalm 67. It's one of those that you could easily cover in just one message. But this was so rich and I think so important to where we live and relevant to our lives that we wanted to look at it a little more slowly and a little more carefully. And we've uh, used three messages to talk about David's reasoning for the blessing of God upon our lives. I think it's good for us to take David's reason and realize that uh, God has a bigger purpose in blessing you and in blessing me than just to make us comfortable or to make us happier or whatever you know it may be. Uh, we may define blessing like, uh, oh, the Lord blessed me and I've got a really, really cool car and I've got a swimming pool and man, I've been blessed. Well, good. There's nothing wrong with any of that. And you can certainly use those things for the glory of God. But so many times we don't think anything above and beyond us and our world and the little bubble in which we live. And so let's let David kind of pop the bubble, I guess. And let's expand this a little bit and realize that in serving the God we serve, there's a bigger kingdom, there's a bigger purpose than just what affects our lives. I'm always grateful for the things that make our lives better or easier or more comfortable uh, until that becomes detrimental, of course. Uh, but that's why we need to expand everything. There's a reason for the, re uh, the way God blesses you for health, for wealth, for possessions, all of those kind of things. Let's see what it is, okay? Verse 1, God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. We can stop there, say love, and pause and say, yeah, that's what we all want, right? The mercy of God because we're sinners. We want his blessing because we're undeserving. We want his face to shine on us as if anything we are doing and whatever we are endeavoring to do, God is smiling upon it and blessing us. Uh, we did a whole message on that. Verse 2, why? Here's the purpose. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. And we did a whole message on that. That's the goal. God blesses us with whatever it is that he gives us, and we are to take that and use that so that his ways might be known on earth because our ways are not his ways, Isaiah said, right? And that salvation might be known among the nations. That sort of sounds like the Great Commission. So whenever God does something for you that makes your life better, that makes it easier, that makes it more comfortable, what should we do with that and what should we think about that? It's not just to sit back and relax. There's probably a way we could use that to make him known and to make the gospel known among the nations. So let's go to verse number 3. Let the peoples, that means all of the ethnic groups, the Gentiles, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples, not just some, all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge 
the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. And then we get another Selah. Stop and think about that. You know, uh, music is always a part of life. And when we did the message over these particular verses, we said, you know, everybody sings and all of the nations sing, but they don't always sing for joy. Sometimes they're singing out of misery and out of pain. Sometimes they sing because there's nothing else to do to make life bearable. And uh, David says that as a result of people like you and me, the people of God being blessed, that the nations could actually sing and they could sing not the blues, but they could sing for joy. You and I are here, and the blessings that God gives us ought to be spreading the gospel and making life easier and better for other people, especially oppressed people. Now, one of these days, the Lord is going to come back, and he's going to govern physically in an earthly kingdom, and it's going to be a tremendous thing. The government, Isaiah says, shall be upon his shoulders. Uh, Joseph was told Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, right? And he's going to rule on the throne of his father, David. Those are the promises that God gave Israel and um, Abraham's covenant. In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I think that's, first of all, in salvation and through the gospel. But I also believe that that is through the earthly reign of Jesus Christ. That is coming. It's the already and not yet kingdom. So all of those things, that's, that's the why. Now, I want to get into verse 5, and I want you to think about how it is that you and I can become, shall we say, blessable. What, what do I need to do? What do you need to do in order to be positioned for God to pour his blessings upon us? I want to be that way, and I'm sure you do as well. So here's verse 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Uh, David, why are you repeating yourself? Are you getting senile here? What's, what's going on? Verse 6. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall praise him. Okay? Let's talk about that. Now, if this psalm were the standard for God's blessing, we all say, God, bless us, bless our church, bless our family, bless our nation, bless people. If, if this psalm were the standard, well, then the question is, would you ever be blessed? Would your life as presently lived be a blessable life? And I think this is where we kind of fall short. And I think it is a sinful thing. Because we fall short of the glory of God. We think that the blessing of God is just about us. Instead of seeing the blessing of God as a means to testify to him. And to testify of him. And to testify about him to a lost and a dying world. You see when we think about stewardship. Everybody always jumps to oh there you go. You're wanting 10% of our money. No I, I actually impressing you about a hundred percent of your money and a hundred percent of your possessions. Stewardship means that everything we have belongs to God, even our life, every beat of our heart, every second of the day, every uh, 
you know, day of life and month of life and year of life and decade of life. Those are all gifts and blessings from God and they belong to him and we are to use them for his glory. And what we need to do in thinking of stewardship is if God does something in your life that makes your life better, are you going to praise him for it? Are you going to testify to him when somebody says, oh, what a wonderful house you have. Do you take that as an opportunity to give thanks to God or to testify of the goodness of God? Whenever you, uh, maybe you get COVID-19 and you come through it and somebody says, well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Do you use that as an opportunity to talk about Jesus, to talk about the Lord, to talk about life and death, maybe even as a platform for the gospel? Everything is supposed to be like that. And I'm afraid that most of us are not really in a blessable position because we are somewhat selfish, self-centered. I don't think we mean to be I just think it's the natural result of fallen humanity, of our depravity, that we do that without even thinking of it. I don't consider the breath that I am breathing to be for the glory of God. It's just what I need to do. We all breathe. I have to breathe or I die. I make it about me. I don't think about every breath that I have or the food that I eat as the means of sharing the gospel with other people. I'm just hungry. I just want to eat and I just need this. And so uh, we've got to start changing everything to go, why is God allowing me to live? Well, it's for the benefit of other people. Because he could just take me to heaven, couldn't he? And um, sometimes we think about church and we go to church because, oh, I love the people there and I love being around them. And I do too. And I miss some of you that haven't been able to come. And I'm ready to kind of get things back to normal. But at the same time, even that, the gathering of the church is not really about us. It's for the worship of God. And it's so that we might be equipped to go out into the world and testify of Jesus Christ. You see, we can fellowship in heaven. We can, uh, you know, do all of the things we do, worship and sing and all of that. We can do that in heaven. Why doesn't God just save us and then kill us and take us to heaven? Well, the reason is because being here on earth, our lives are to be lived for the glory of God in witness to other people and in discipling other people, because those are the two things we won't be able to do in heaven. Think about that. In heaven, you'll never be able to lead a lost soul to Jesus. In heaven, you'll never be able to witness to somebody who needs to be saved. In heaven, you won't be able to plant seeds or water seeds or to reap a harvest. It won't happen. And in heaven, you're not going to have the opportunity to make disciples, to help a believer to grow and to be equipped because we're going to be complete when we get to heaven, right? So we've got to take advantage of the time and everything that we have here on earth. And we've got to remember that no matter where you are, how old you are, what your physical condition is, there's a reason and there's a purpose for you being on earth. And you are blessed in order to be a blessing. So when I think about what David said here, I'm going to ask you to think about these words. First of all, I want you to think about the word consistency. How do I become blessable? And that's by consistency. Where do I get that? Verse 5, let the peoples praise you. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. Good night. How many times is he going to say that? David, we got it. 
Well, maybe we need to think about two things here. First of all, whenever in the Old Testament you see repetition, that's God's way, that's their way of writing something in large font, bold print, you know, headline. In other words, pay attention to this, in other words. But secondly, it also shows us that as David is talking about desiring the blessing of God, it's on his heart repeatedly to do this and to be blessed so that Gentiles, lost people, pagans, idol worshipers will praise the Lord. In other words, it's a consistent theme of his life that he wants other people who do not know his God to come to know his God and to be a worshiper of the God that he loves and praises. May I ask you a question? How consistent is your life? I mean, I know when we come to church, we talk a certain way, we sing certain songs, and we say amen at certain places. Now, does that carry through on Monday? Does that carry through on Tuesday and Wednesday and all through the week? Is it just something that pops up every once in a while? Is it something that just kind of comes to our mind when, uh, you know, something happens or there's a tragedy or somebody you know, blasphemes the Lord or something, and then all of a sudden we get a little religious hiccup? Is that the way it is? Or is this the consistency of life and the heartbeat of your life? Is this the theme of your life? That Jesus saves and people need to know him and that God desires to be worshipped in spirit and in truth and he's seeking these kind to worship him, Jesus said. Is that the passion of our heart? Because it was for David, and it wasn't just the passion of his heart at certain times or special times or even religious times. This is something that is on his heart. He's not just blowing smoke. He's not just trying to manipulate God with empty words. He's not just praying on a whim. This is the overflow of his heart, not just a magic formula. You see, folks, if you pray using words or phrases that you don't mean or maybe don't even understand, but you just repeat them in a mindless manner, that's called vain repetition. Jesus said that's how the heathen pray. That's not how worshipers pray. Now, there's nothing wrong with repetition as long as it's not vain, meaningless, or empty. Now, if you're doing that, and that's all your prayer life is, and you may say the right things, but you don't even give thought to it, and it doesn't affect your life, it's just what you think you're supposed to do, well, then you're a hypocrite, or you're just superstitious. It's just an incantation. And David was repeating, but he's not repeating in an empty way. He means this. This is his heartbeat. So consistency. God doesn't bless inconsistent lives and people to the extent that they want to be blessed. So get your life consistent. Number two, the word confidence comes to mind. The Bible says here in verse 6, then the earth shall yield her increase. Now, the earth's increase here, David is talking about material blessings, of course. The increase. That's how they made their money. That's how they fed their kids. 
that uh, the increase of the earth is where they got lumber and gold and you know all of those kind of things it's all included you see we might think about blessings in a couple of ways there are spiritual blessings that are given by grace you can read that in the uh book of Ephesians for example in chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with now if it just said every blessing we might be looking going wait a minute you know a lot of people have things I don't have they have talents I don't have they have money I don't have they have possessions I don't have but Paul didn't say that did he because we're not all equal in that regard but he did say he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places right we're chosen in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love but there are also blessings that come from the increase of the earth material blessings let's call them you got to work if a man doesn't work neither shall he eat right that's bible um, if you don't re uh, plant you're not going to reap you got to work you got to get up you got to go out to the field you got to plow you got to plant you got to you know weed you've got to cultivate you've got to harvest when it is time there are certain things that when you read through the book of proverbs there are certain blessings we might say material blessings that come as a result of us being intentional as a result of us being diligent as a result of us being faithful and considerate and planning ahead and being good stewards all of that and so the earth David said will give its increase that was an expectation that was a confidence that he had that God would bless him with the material blessings that he had in order that he could make the Lord known throughout all of the earth I mean you know when we talk about all of the things that happen in world missions think about uh, some of the people that are able to put millions of dollars into projects that spread the gospel of Christ. Now, I can't do that. And you probably can't do that either. And uh, why should we ever have an expectation of that? Well, if we're only going to be selfish with it, why should God bless us in that regard? But if we have a generous heart and a generous spirit and we're content with what God gives us and we use the little things that God gives us, no matter how small they might be, even if it's just giving a cup of cold water, not just for the sake of, of quenching thirst, but doing it in his name for his glory. I mean, if we're not going to do that, why should he bless us with more? And that's what David had this confidence that God was going to bless him because David was a man after God's own heart and he wanted to use his resources to spread the good news to spread the joy of knowing this God who created the heavens and the earth and so when we think about what we need well we have to eat and we need money and we need shelter we need clothing and we are to take care of our families these things are given as a result of obedience and the more you obey and the better steward you are you will uh, have more to show for whatever you have and God might even give you more 
Maybe, maybe not. But it won't really matter because your heart's in the right place. The Bible says things like this in 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's important that we obey God in that, right? Why should he bless us if we're not going to take care of our family? Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous give generously, and those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely, and their children will be a blessing. Notice how the blessing there is tied to what is done. You've got to be righteous, and you've got to be generous, and, and those type of things. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be um, overflowing or bursting with new wine. So God wants you to glorify him and he wants that to start in your heart. And when that's right, he begins to bless you. And as you use those blessings in a proper way to glorify him, to spread his word, well, then he is able to trust you and to bless you even more as uh, you live for him and use what he gives you for his glory. It's, in, uh, a res it's as a result, I guess we would say, of our obedience to the Lord. It's important that we obey God and uh, have the blessings not only spiritually but also materially so that we can be generous and so that we can spread his gospel. Thirdly is consecration, because David says God, and then he says, our own God shall bless us. You see, some blessings are given generously to everyone, lost or saved, life and health and freedom and love and family and uh, those kind of things. Even lost people experience those things, right? But some are reserved only for believers. Salvation. What are we going to do with our salvation? It's not just about getting us to heaven. It's about honoring God and spreading his word. What about the Bible? What do you do with the teaching you receive from this pulpit even now? What you get from Sunday school? What you get from reading the word for yourself? What do you do with it? It's not just for you. What about the presence of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's job is to testify of Jesus. Why did God give you the presence of the Holy Spirit? So you could testify of Jesus. What about God's discipline? He could just be a parent who just lets you wander into sin and do whatever you want to and make a mess out of everything, but he doesn't. He disciplines you. He teaches you. He trains you. He corrects you. What are you going to do with that? Well, you pass that on so you can give that wisdom to other people and help other people. He gives you peace so that you might spread the gospel of peace. And he gives you provision in your life so that you might honor him and glorify him. And you can, in a sense, maybe we could say brag on him. Let's say that you're 16 years old and uh, your daddy uh, buys you a brand new convertible. 
and you uh, take it off and you're driving it, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get some attention, aren't you? And there are going to be people who are going to say, whoa, look at that, man. Where did you get that? And what do you say? My dad bought it for me. My parents bought this for me. This is something that they have given me. And you brag on them and you talk about them and you testify of them. And what if God could trust us with everything that we had. We were not griping. We were not covetous of other people. We were not complaining because it was never enough. But what if we really were thankful and really using it for the glory of God proportionately? And what if, as we did that, we were truly thankful for what God had given us? You suppose that as a father, he might be able to bless you with even more? Because as a father, God takes care of his kids and he may show benevolence to those outside of the family but his care is different for his own and even so some of his kids are more responsible than others just like in your family you've got some kids you can do certain things for and you know that they're going to use it wisely you've got some others you got to be careful with them and you've uh, Got to understand they may not. God knows you as well. I want to be one of his kids who is responsible with what he gives me. Don't you? And that means, like David said, that his ways may be known throughout the earth and that his salvation might be known. It's got to be top priority. And that brings me to number four. And David seems to say that in order to be blessed, you've got to have a cause. Now, a cause was important to David. When he was a kid and he saw Goliath taunting the armies of Israel, David, as that junior high kid there, said, Is there not a cause? And you know, we're living in a time now where we see people riding in the streets for their cause, right? And they're willing to be vocal. They're willing to pay the price. Well, what about us? Is there not a cause? And in the turmoil that we find in our land now, can we not stand up and say there's a greater cause than just my comfort? There's a greater cause than just my entertainment? There's a cause. And we need to stand up for the cause of Christ. Verse 7, God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Does that ever enter your mind? Do you ever pray for other nations? Do you ever pray for those who are ruling over other countries? Do you pray regularly for missionaries and for open doors to share the gospel both at home and abroad? Is that on your heart? Well, it sure was on David's heart. No wonder God blessed him so abundantly. David was not, as you know, a perfect man. But he did have his heart most of the time in the right place. And this psalm expresses that. David wanted people to know his God. And that's why he desired for God to bless him. That's the cause. We were born under a curse. And yet God sent his son and Jesus Christ became accursed for us on the cross. And now his blessings flow through us. Zechariah chapter 8 verse 13 says, It will come about that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you that you may become a blessing. Do not fear, let your hands be strong. What a word for us. What a word for us. God has redeemed us and taken us out from under the curse of sin and bondage and hell 
And why did he do that? So that we could not only receive blessings, but here's the key. I want to be a blessing to God, to God's people, and also to this world. Those who are sold out to a cause will do anything for the cause. Winston Churchill, in June of 1940, spoke to the House of Commons, and he said, Even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of the Gestapo and all of the odious um, apparatus of the Nazi rule, I think he would say Nazi, of we shall not flag or fail. Now listen to this. We will go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. And we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We will fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds, and we shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills, and we shall never surrender. Can we do any less for Jesus? And why should God bless us? We've already seen the why. God blesses us so that he might be known among the nations. Would to God that we would take that seriously. And how is it that we get to the point of being blessed? Think about those four things that we've talked about in this little message. And it'll revolutionize your life. And what if every Christian in America stood up for Jesus, saw their life and their possessions and every blessing that they have as a cause for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we were good stewards of every part of our life. Not just giving 10% and saying, okay, God, get off my back. I'll do the rest with the rest, whatever I please. No, it's everything that belongs to God. It means our vote in November. Some 54 million evangelicals didn't bother to vote in 2016. Can you imagine what a difference it would make if every evangelical Christian would vote his or her values this coming November? We could have such an impact on our land and on our world. And what if we started, let missions start with our own family, evangelizing our children, our neighbors, our friends? What if we started doing things like sharing messages like this one with other people and asking them to watch them with us? What if we started using our homes for hospitality? What if we started reaching out to others and it started a tidal wave, a tsunami of evangelism that went all the way around the world? Do you suppose we could make a difference? Yeah, but we've got to be as sold out as Winston Churchill was calling the British people to be, we've got to do that and more for the cause of Christ. So why should God bless you if you're just going to do with the blessings what you've already done? Well, let's be different and let's be blessable so that as he does that, other people see the goodness and the greatness of our Father and we testify of him to everyone who asks and we use it for his glory. I got a feeling God just might pour more and more blessings upon you because he could trust you with it. Be a person that God can trust because you are blessable 
and you do it for his glory. So that gives me hope and that gives me optimism and that causes me to say, let's go forth in the power of God and use whatever God gives us for his glory that his name might be known throughout all of the earth. Hey, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And we'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday, either in person here or by live stream. And uh, may the Lord bless you. And thank you for watching.